0: All right, so hey, we're here with Shannon Terry, just met him. Always been a big fan of you, Shannon, and, and what you've built, and of course founder, owner on three. Same thing, 24-7 sports, rivals. You are, are truly a, a, you know, I'm not trying to kiss your ass here, but you're a pioneer in this landscape, so uh, I can't thank you enough for coming in here. Hey, I'm glad to be here.
1: It's been too long. Yeah. been a big fan of your social media accounts it's it's one I go to um it's you know I think I even tweeted that like a few months ago it's one of the four or five that yeah um that that I, I favorite I look at you do a great job so well, I honored that. to be here
0: yeah and it's so weird because uh you know I've never paid you I'll, I'll pay you when we're done here to for those kind of words but we've never worked together so nope. so I mean like I said that that is that is truly uh something that I don't take light when when I get words of encouragement from you and Paul Feinbaum, people like that that I've had, so you have a great, I, I, great. I put you in account. that class, you know. But yeah. before we get, go- I've never had a combative interview, but let's do it. I got a real problem with you. Let's hit it. I don't understand. Yeah, it's my understanding you are an Alabama fan. Yeah, and a Tennessee fan. Yeah. How, so how in the hell does that happen?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, I'm not a huge sports fan in general. Okay, so I love, I love. Big 10, SEC football, SEC football, then Big 10. I watch college football. I will occasionally watch college basketball. Um, not a huge fan of it, and I love going to NBA games. No interest in NFL or other sports. I, it's just mm-hmm. not, I'm not a huge sports fan. Okay. Um, Ironically. um, But you played basketball, right? Played college basketball. Yeah. I, I, I grew up going to Alabama games. Um, I grew up in North Alabama, and uh, I went to Alabama games during the – you know, the golden era. It was, it was amazing. I hitched rides with my uh, college, my uh, high school basketball coach. Uh, never actually went, went to a game with my parents and it, the pageantry, the passion. Uh, I mean, it was just, you know, growing up in small town, Alabama, it was, you know, the identity of the school, even though if you didn't went there or not, meant mm-hmm. so much to people and you could see it. And, and I loved it. Um, Grew up liking Alabama fans. I mean, it was the Bear Bryant era, and any kind of pick. a lot of my family actually went to Auburn, but um, I grew up an Alabama fan, no question about it. Unbelievable respect for Tennessee. Um, uh, my parents tell me I'm very closely related to Philip Fulmer. Oh, really? On my mom's side, and so, um, and then you know, during the years of starting rivals and stuff, Tennessee was really they were rolling, I mean, they were recruiting. They were owning Atlanta, and they were dipping in Alabama and South Carolina. Got to know Coach Fulmer a little bit, but a lot of respect for the Tennessee program. And then over the last year or so, I've gotten to know uh, Coach Heupel pretty well. He's just an amazing man and stuff. But generally speaking, I get accused of a lot of things, and I'll stop the ramble here. <laughs> I respect more than I am a fan. Now, I will cheer for Alabama and make no mistakes about it. I'm probably – I am probably least connected at Alabama than I am any program in the United States, to be honest. The irony is I've been to th- three college games in the last 10 years. Um, I don't really talk to anyone at Alabama much. I talk to almost everyone at every other school. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it'll be interesting to see what the next few years. I mean, I've got a young set of kids. If, go to, if They end up going to a school that's, <laughs> you know, my first kids went to liberal arts and smaller schools. If these two little guys go somewhere else— who knows? You know, I'm game. I didn't go there. So I'm game.
0: All right. Well, hey, I, whenever I get someone in here, I love to talk about their journey. Yeah. So how did you have the the foresight, or did you have any indication that, that rivals and the recruiting and all that would blow up the way it did? Not really.
1: Look, I, I was a massive SEC football fan. Went to games, watched it, like college football, as I just mentioned. I go off to Lipscomb, AI at school at the time, And we did shoot-arounds in the morning, got on a Greyhound bus, and went to games on Saturday. And for like four or five years, I became unbelievably disconnected. I don't even know how many games the five years I was at Lipscomb, because, you know, this is, I'm 53. We didn't have TVs in our dorm. TV in the lobby didn't work. I didn't see games. And when I got out of Lipscomb uh, at that point in time, I was subscribing to the Tuscaloosa News, and I was listening to 1510, Bob Bell, Bill King, I was doing everything I could to connect, you know, to that SEC culture that, that I actually thought I would be involved in, in some way. And, um, and a, a buddy of mine, we were transitioning didn't know, you know, we we're young. We didn't have a freaking clue what we we're going to do in life. He didn't like working at FedEx. He was an engineer. And I met him at, um, this Italian restaurant in, in uh, Cool Springs. I said, Greg, I, I got an idea on a thing I think i will make us a little money and, will like doing and I'm like, you got thirty grand. I got thirty grand in my name. Let's do this. And then we we napkined out this dynamic database written content management system. And to make a long story short, when you go post on Twitter, you take it for granted. But you know, thirty years ago, or I guess at this time twenty five years ago, you go make a post. It goes, it writes to the database and then it publishes automatically. Those things didn't exist. I said, can we build this content management system? Can we make it permission based? And so we put 60 grand and we built a permission based content management system. And from there we went out and got a bunch of subcontractors and started publishing, uh, SEC, Texas and Texas A&M, which at the time they weren't in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, and updates and stories and mostly recruiting, and then it just kind of worked, and it worked for from the minute we started, and it worked all through rivals, and you know, twenty seven years later, I'm still doing it.
0: And and before that, had anyone done anything like that? Because what? No, w- my understanding was, and this was well before my time, but kind of the first updates were like nine hundred numbers. Yeah, and, and for people that don't, that's probably. A, some of the audience what the heck are they talking about you had to dial a number and they would charge you per minute i think it was yep. or something like that and they they'd probably talk really slow and then they gave you mm. recruiting updates so
1: newspapers uh-huh um these print magazines which were you know big subscription things um in these markets and and you know i remember i think it was web crawler a buddy came over and said if you seen this new search engine and i'm like what are you talking about and he goes cuz at that time i was a Bulletin board member and a prodigy guy, and he goes, "No, oh, look at this, web crawler. Look at this thing." And I'm like, "This is the perfect distribution play for content." And um, and then that kind of set off a series. And now uh, we were first, and you know, and I think it's been good for me because I've I've worked in product, like I I I, I help with the engineers. Mm-hmm. What's been good for me is that I'm willing to throw five things on the wall, and and run with the one or two that work and kill the three that don't. So working with me is high high, high, high reward, high risk. Like if you're in part of something that's not working, you know, no harm. We got to move on. Right. And and if it's working, we go deeper. So
0: let me ask you this. So it's my understanding. I don't know if I heard this or I read this or something, but I think you've even, you've covered teams before. you covered recruiting. Oh yeah, I've done it. it. So you've done every aspect of it. That's another twenty-eight
1: thousand miles um, in one year, driving to uh, high school games or junior college games on a Thursday, high school and Friday, and covering college. So I've done it. Yeah, I've been, I've done I've been the accountant, I've been the coder. I've, I've done. I'm. I always say I'm not good at anything. I'm not great at anything. I'm pretty good at a lot of things. And so, <laughs> I <can> during <laughs> during a window of time where you didn't have to be great at anything, you just had to be willing to take a risk and be able to do a bunch of different, different things. It, 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 it it worked and it's, it's been a good journey and you know, it's, 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 I'll say this too. The time we are in right now is the greatest era. I've been doing this for 27 years, contemplated retiring. um, But I could see this conflation of so many events in college sports. And this is the greatest time to be involved in college sports media and um, it's so exciting. I can't sleep at night because of it.
0: And so obviously, you sold that to Yahoo, right? Or Yahoo, yeah. right? And then you start twenty four seven sports. Yeah. What can you share about uh, you know what was the behind the scenes of that?
1: Completely different business model, and you know most people don't. You know, it's like you just no. I actually did the opposite of what Rivals was. Rivals was a publisher driven business with endemic dot com fans and that was it and at the point that we sold rivals you could see the world was about to be a search and social world which meant that 90 percent of audience didn't come from typing in basket com. it came from a search algorithm or right. a social platform mm-hmm. and that rivals model didn't work in that like and so because we talked about recapping it and getting new partners in and doing it over. And we talked to ESPN. They wanted to be a part of that. NBC wanted to be a part of it when they ultimately sold it. So when 24 seven came around, it was really actually the opposite of rivals. It was a lot of J school grad, young kids building around an algorithm and, and for 10 years, that's what the internet was. And it, and, and 24 seven from a financial perspective was unbelievably successful. It was the the people that worked at 24 7 the publishers the writers the content creators did infinitely better than the people at rivals because at that point in time you know broadband search social internet was exploding so and then on three is very different yeah and those things
0: yeah so that's where you're at now you're and I'm sure I've seen you answer this question but I'm I'm humoring yeah. me for a minute. Why is On3 different? Are you just going to do the same thing once again, yeah. build a company, sell it? What What do you answer to people that ask you that?
1: <laughs> so, you know, I've been very transparent about it. And the more I say, the more they shake their head and they go, we don't believe you. But, you know, Rivals is a publisher, endemic.com world. Very eco-chambered, small. You, you knew it if you knew it. 24-7 didn't have the authenticity an ounce that Rivals had, uh, but it had scale beyond belief, a completely different place, search and social. And at the time, there wasn't a lot of talent, per se, that Rivals had. 24-7, over time, developed talent and people and, and stuff, and that's certainly not an issue today, and I'm not implying otherwise. All in 3 is a very different and unique beast. The first The first beast is I've never truly really built a national media arm. Like both of those were kind of patchwork national place. And so we've, we've hired, you know, very traditional back office around editorial and we're building this national media arm. We're going deep in it on the surface. That doesn't look very different than the fan site world or the work, but where it's truly completely different is that uh, on three at its core and at its DNA. And if you go to our meetings, we're building what we hope to be the linkedin for athletes so um we're building this incredibly comprehensive database that's forward-facing that's media that's public facing but we're also building an engine behind the scenes where all the athletes in the world can connect can Uh, generate revenue opportunities through NIL, connect with other athletes, get tax advice, get deals, make money, um, you know, get recruited, uh, get educated and all the things. And that's called the On3 Athlete Network. So everything that we're doing is really an apparatus to build the On3 Athlete Network, which has immeasurable potential.
0: Yeah, and that's so interesting because it it seems like you're you're always – Viewing the overall landscape and pivoting to where things—not where they may be today, but where, where they'll going. be five years from now, ten yeah. years from now—and I'll have to—I've uh, never admitted this to anybody, but i, I saw it was some kind of—you uh, must have given like a presentation to your 24/7 Sports when you were there, and it was about you know clickbait. That's where things are now, but. Yeah. Trending more towards long form. Yeah. Uh, you know, Joe Rogan, three hour podcast. That's the number one podcast in the world. I, I started to see these things. And that's kind of when I, I knew I worked for a clickbait site. Yeah. And I said, well, I got to get the hell out of here. Yeah. Because if Shannon Terry says it's pivoting a different way, then I then I have confidence and that's where things are going. Um, so, so that's kind of interesting to, I, you always got to look towards people that are pioneering i think and, and learn from them and I, i've tried to do that in a lot of different aspects we, we just off air we were talking about pat mcafee and his success yeah. so i'm trying to do something a little bit like that but uh also I'm, i model I, I try not to model too much because i don't want to be a josh pate ripoff but i know that's someone that uh josh you amazing. brought on at 24 yeah. 7 sports and he is just blown up he's Incredible. he's arguably the best well like i'd say he's he, the best he, he and kurt, kurt herb street i and Paul Feinbaum, I, I feel like those were like the trio of, of college football Listen, media figures. Jo-
1: jo- I mean, I hired Josh Pate. I think he was straight out of a, I don't know, shit, was he doing weather? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. But I saw him, and I saw it. Yeah. And then I talked to him one time, and it's like, there's no chance he's going to fail. And and Josh Pate is the standard. And um, he, he does a terrific job. He does his work. Uh, he's knowledgeable. He's opinionated without being... You know the thing. The thing I admire most, like if you, t- you take all the people, like the reason Kirk Herbstreet is Kirk Herb is that he can talk with you. Okay, he can sit down right now and like y'all are having a conversation, and and you feel better for it. Without I didn't know that, but he didn't make me feel guilty about no, not knowing that. Mm-hmm. And Herb Street is the greatest I've ever seen, ever. He was the greatest. In the history of media, it's sitting down right now. We're having a conversation. Oh, yeah, by the way, the Super Bowl is going on right here. National championship game. But we're having a, And Her, Herb Street locks in with you. It's just you and him. Oh, and the national championship's happening. It's phenomenal. It is a gift. It is a talent that few have. Now, he's different in that respect. Where, where paid is interesting, Paid is not that guy. He is very like, this is my opinion. You guys are idiots for not thinking this way. Uh, and he's all the things, but he does it without alienating you. He does it because he does his homework and you look at him as he's authentic and he's speaking at you. But you're like, he's speaking at me. But no, I like him. He's right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, you know, Charles Barkley has a lot of those qualities. And 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 I'm not comparing Pate to, to uh, Charles Barkley because Charles Barkley is you know he has credit he had credibility before he ever started right. but they're very similar in a lot of ways um we've got a guy working for us right now at, at uh, on 3 jd pikel mm-hmm. um and i'll say this he's every bit as good as josh pate and he's he's probably more knowledgeable and the thing that that J, that jd and josh share that i love about both of them they're the hardest working guys in the room so like I don't. I'm just sitting here, and I I just marvel at those guys. And I remember a day when I had that energy and I had that that drive. And I don't know that I do or don't now, but it's like, like, and I feel like, you know, how can I help you? And and JD Pekel, my goodness, you know, there's no telling what he's going to be in the end because he's great human, works harder than anyone there. Good looking guy, smart, he's articulate. He's got his own, his own thing. So I'm just like, let's give you the platform. Let's get behind you, and and don't be afraid to make mistakes. And that's what I'd say to all young people in this business: is don't commit any of the capital sins. But outside of those things, mistakes are what are going to get you from A to A to Z quicker than anything.
0: Hmm. Well, you so you reference two people that you've hired on that have that have gone yeah. on to a lot of success. I this may be a little bit of a broad question, but I can't imagine how many people over the years you have hired. What are some of the characteristics that you look for? When, because, because I, I can't imagine you're making too many bad decisions, uh, given all the the success of the networks. You know, we had a
1: we had a great discussion with our leader. I have I have nine people that report to me. We have about two hundred and twenty people in our org. You know, on three, and I had a great. I don't have any attrition, and it's frustrating because it's the first business I ever have that every year I'm losing like. of my employees, which means that we're either hiring good or we're not manning up and like, you know, getting rid of people that, that aren't where we need to be. And so we, we, we've looked at that, but if I'm, if I'm looking at people to hire, you know, the thing, the qualities that I'm looking for is, is I'm looking for good freaking humans, like people that respect one another, that, that come into a culture knowing they don't have things figured out, that they're not trying to be the biggest person in the room. I'm looking for people that have a discipline, that have a, I'm looking for people that like, you know, I can do all these little things okay, but I'm really good at this one thing. And then you go, does do we need that one thing? And then you're kind of irreplaceable. I'm looking for people that are consistent. Um. You know, I'm looking for people that don't have bad habits. Nashville is is a is a hiring nightmare. We hire and we move people in, and they they come to this town, and then it's you know downtown, and then it's oh, it's four fifty nine, and I'm buzzing out, and you know the and you know the type. So like, mm-hmm. so we're you know we you kind of know when you when you when you do it. It a lot of people try to impress you that doesn't mean anything like. It doesn't mean anything.
0: Well, <laughs> I, I hope you're not speaking to me when you say that. <laughs> no, no. You know, they're like, they talk about who they know or yeah. what they know. Yeah, it's yeah, like, no, yeah. here's the thing. <laughs> Just show up and do your job. Just showing
1: up every day and doing your job and a little more mm-hmm. gets you more respect. And, and and if you build a culture, which I've always had a culture, the peers, the, the peers determine you know like who works and who doesn't work when yeah. when 8 out of 9 of my leadership team doesn't like a guy mm-hmm. or a girl it's a sign
0: yeah i don't i don't even need to say anything well this is, to your point this is not the industry that uh, you can kind of come in and half ass and nope. and have any type of success i mean you got to do you got to do nights you got to do weekends you got to be 365 if they need you yeah. and and some people are just not willing to do that That's what's pissed me off
1: about on three. And everybody knows I've been on a war path lately. Like you don't get the credibility of 24 seven and rivals coming in two on three. We're a startup. How are we going to beat How? Like I want on three to be the next ESPN, all the things I want it to be a multi-billion dollar business that does all the things. Well, you're new here. You don't get the credit of rivals in 24 seven and you can't work equal to those companies, and you can't work equal to ESPN or Fox or whatever. You got to do two X them. Mm-hmm. And I really think, you know, over the past year, I've done, I've had, I've been so pulled and trying to build like the strap plan and get the business going. And I'm man, these last thirty days, I'm like, I'm locked in. It's like, be careful. And um, your your idea is. 24-7 is an amazing company. Um, Stanko's the best leader that's followed any company I've built by far. They like him. He does a good job. The guy that runs CBS News and CBS Sports, Jeff Gertula, is one of the great he stars in media. He was um, brilliantly smart. And so they're in great shape. The guy that bought Rivals is Jimmy Patara, uh, who's now head of ESPN. Go so. Right. Twenty four sevens guys, I mean, those guys are those guys are in, in great shape. So, if we're going to be equal to them, and we want to be way better than them, twenty four is not a brand; it's a little division over here in CBS. We want to be the brand of college sports. Well, we need to be kicking their ass in all the ways. Yeah. And so, I don't think that culture yet, you know, and they're and they're not our target by any means. And um, I don't think that culture yet has permeated through the org that we've built. We've only been doing this for like 16 17 months. So we got a long way to go.
0: Well, it's clear you're a very competitive guy, but at the same time, and we were, again, this is something we were talking about off air, you're not afraid to say, "Hey, you're this person's doing a great job." Hell, you just said CBS, this yep. person, that person, great job, where whereas I've worked for for places and others have where I mean, you can't mention, you can't retweet. Stupid. Oh, why why in the hell have you or why do, why do you embrace that so much? You got to recognize, you got to respect. Like I don't, my
1: whole thing is I, I don't care in media if I'm liked, I don't care if the NCAA likes me. I don't care if anyone at 24 seven or rivals or ESPN, I don't, I want to be respected and I want the people that work for me to be respected. Converse, I mean, are, are in that same vein when people that I'm competing with are doing great work, mm-hmm. respect it. I mean, Adam Stanko is doing a phenomenal job um, at 24-7 sports, um, you know, and and kudos to him. I, I've never even met him, but, I mean, he's doing a really good job there. Jeff Curtula building CBS Sports, at, or 24-7 HQ, you know, which has been an amazing platform for Josh Pate. They're doing great jobs. I can compete with them. Me respecting them and talking about them doesn't change the fact that, like, I've got people over here. They're gonna maybe be, be, be better, and I'm okay with that. And so I just it's, it's kind of the way I was raised. Maybe I don't know. I don't. Um, it's fun. Like I don't. I think the key is this: twenty four seven rivals, and especially on three, they're not built with a with an end game in mind. They're built to like be the best that they can be. And on three is the first company I've built that can go all the way. The others had enormous limitations that, you know, we could dig into. On3 does not have any. So it's got execution risks and all the things, but On3 can go all the way. It can be, it could be the
0: next ESPN in sports. Well, speaking of that, so I, again, I, I feel like you'd be the perfect person to ask where things are trending. And I think it's kind of clear based on on Three's moves nil uh is is that the next thing that everyone needs to to kind of be focused on do you think
1: i think the, the way i would answer that is is this is the way they're trending first of all college sports is trending okay so nfl's this beast now what is nfl do we really even know it's so so much of it is just because of betting and gambling and 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 whatever nationally but college sports is trending college sports is it, college sports is a train wreck right now. College football is a train wreck. Basketball, it will figure itself out. And um, we
0: still live in a, in a, in a uh, the southeast where much of the states, it's illegal to legally gamble. Yeah. And that's as time goes on, that's becoming more and more it's just legalization. To
1: college sports is a rocket ship. We have, we're have we in the second inning of what this beast is going to be. Like it is. And so so that's number one. So college sports, and so on three is only college sports. And that is the space to be in in sports. and that's maybe the the place to be in in media. The second the second thing that's trending is athletes. You see me all the time hashtag hashtag for the athlete. okay? Athletes are the next thing. And I don't mean pro athletes. I'm, college athletes have a world of upside and opportunity and all the things that will change in that world. And the word is NIL, but NIL represents so much more than just name image likeness and the ability for an athlete to earn a few dollars. What it is, it's an ability for an athlete to change the complete trajectory of their life and their future through knowledge, education, relationships, and experience. And that now is going to happen and it's it is it is an awesome sight that's taking place, and and the and, and the irony is it's going to make for better college players, more mature players, better games, and much more parity across the college sports landscape.
0: Could you see a, a time in the future where people invest in players nil uh, up like front? golf? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. and it, share in them. Yeah, exactly, sure. and get future earnings it's potential.
1: I hope athletes stay away from that. It's coming, and you'll you'll see some contracts where it's like, "Hey, I'll give you two hundred grand and get ten percent of your contract." Going for a hundred percent, it's yeah. coming, and and athletes need to. The the problem with college athletes, high school athletes, and look, we're at we have a we have a, a symposium elite series. We have thirty five, and heck, twenty five of them are five stars coming to Nashville, and our whole like our whole speech to them is about getting your head right and playing the long game. You know, it's about the unintended consequences of NIL and it's not get away from the Dodge chargers and the, all that stuff. You're on a higher scale now. Like it's about playing chess, not checkers. Mm -hmm. And that's our message to these kids. You know, like these kids, just because you didn't have it, you're already the cool kid. You don't need those things to be the cool kid start playing the long game use that logo that mark your ability now to change the trajectory of your entire future by thinking the right way and on3 wants to be a part of that
0: and are we still in a landscape with NIL that uh, we it's it's hard to evaluate what these players are worth or do you think we're already no, there no it's it's
1: we've got that nailed that's yeah. easy it's not even difficult i was on the phone with a power 5 collective um this week and not spoken with them and we've spoken to i thought we'd spoken to all of them Mm -hmm. he goes the 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 ceo called and he said hey we wanted to get in touch with you we'd run our models you guys are at 6.4 million for your total collective value for our school we're at 6.6 how'd you do it it's not hard to figure out like we've spent a year and a half building those models uh and we are now at the point where we're getting all the data from the kids and all the data from the various schools and collectives. And so we extrapolate back. And I can tell you, I mean, all the numbers, the Jace you know, the, the Rashada deal screwed everybody's mind up. The reality is there hasn't been that many bad actors in NIL. There's about an eighty five million dollar collective marketplace going on right now that are that are for existing roster. There's about 15 million uh that's for incoming freshmen. You know, I see that number, and this is Power 5 football, I see that number doubling 25% a year over the next, but there is an efficient marketplace happening right now in college sports that will create more parity, more close competition, less chicanery than ever. And it's sad that the NCAA and, and all the people that are removed, that are there but want to be removed from the system, don't actually see what's
0: going on. Mm -hmm. And if you could even answer this, I don't know if it may be a difficult question, but what percentage do you think of, of, of SEC rosters have NIL deals?
1: Yeah. So, so we're trying to lead the charge on how that works. Okay. And the way I would kind of sum it up is this, let's say that there's, there's 300 elite high school football prospects, and there's, there's certainly a top, Twenty, and then there's a hundred, and there's mm-hmm. a three hundred. We think there's about five hundred college players in on a football roster that are also elite. You know, and it's quarterback, offensive tackles are gold at mm-hmm. levels unbelievable. Wide receivers and 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 cornerbacks are becoming less valuable. You know, in a way, there. Um, so you take that group. That's a pretty simple scale. And then if you're in the two deep, there's there's pretty much a value for each of those schools. That value used to be school by school determined. But what we're seeing is for about 25 schools, the collective total is pretty similar. It's in this five, six and a half, seven million range. So being the second string offensive tackle on the two deep, at one school, it's not a big difference between being it an another, at another school.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's pretty easy to figure out. What you will notice, no one has said this: the transfer portal this year was unbelievably weak. Forget the numbers. The kids that were transferring there, trying to move on to better opportunity, or had no opportunity where they were, it was it was a very weak transfer portal. Almost it's- impossible to rank. Honestly, no, no, no tackles. Um, I think there's one quarterback's got a really good chance. A couple, two are risk. Um, Safety, a uh, couple receivers and, you know, Hunter, who knows what, you know, he's, he's an elite.
0: Now, very, very weak, weak group. Though. Do you think that's because most players got NIL deals to stay, right? Yep. Yeah.
1: Because they were, t- because this whole cry of pay for play wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. By our data, 14% of collective dollars went to incoming recruits. Only 14%, 14%. Okay, every collective I've spoken to says they want that number to be 10ish percent. We'll call it. Some have said 12 and a half. Some say 15. Let's just call it 10. Okay. So, so if you take a school X Y Z and it has 10 million dollars, which isn't the case, only a million dollars is going to go in. So this concept of this infinite, no salary caps bullshit, Mm -hmm. like every school in this roster value world has a finite number they are managing to. I can afford one elite defensive end, but I can't afford three. Right. And my numbers are here. It's just, it's, it's common math. It's, and I say it real simply, simple to this. It is the, it will be an efficient marketplace and it's happening may take it two more years but it's happening. We don't need feds, you know, to to intervene and we don't need the NCAA to actually do much.
0: Now, uh, some of the blowback I would imagine and this is just speculation on my part, you would know better than I, but let's just use Tennessee as an example. Yep. When they beat Alabama, I have to imagine the NIL donations, yep. donations came in yep. whereas maybe the the school didn't get quite what they are used to getting uh, and maybe that maybe not even calling out tennessee but across the yeah. board are you seeing that and is is that causing some uh, yeah some issues i think i think there's
1: general strife it's, it, this is a general statement there's strife among athletic departments and ad's and heads of collectives it's right. there's only so many dollars
0: okay and
1: so that that is certainly that is certainly
0: happening um meanwhile the television dollars. I mean, it's just skyrocketing. And here's my other thing too.
1: (laughs) Stop with all the facility upgrades and all the bullshit. (laughs) These kids have enough. We don't need full-time barbers and (laughs) disco stations. Like stop, like stop.
0: They they are just spending money to spend it.
1: They're just spending money to spend it. And so at the end of the day, you know, little Bubba here, maybe he'd rather have just $3,000 a month than like access to, you know, I don't know. So I think at the end of the day, I think that the collectives and the schools have to work together, if not work in the same department, which obviously by rules can't happen at this stage. Mm -hmm. It has to go that way. Yeah. And, And and those numbers, you know, if you take aid and scholarships as a percentage of expense right now. Um, it's nine percent is the athlete wage of the total. Um, Support staff, coaches, and coaches severance is about forty-one percent. So, if the talent in what name an industry in the world where the talent, the show, the one everyone, the person everyone's coming to see, is garnering nine percent of the talent wage, it's it's not, it's not fair. It's not right, and these, you know, but conversely, it's only that way with about half the roster. Half the roster is getting actually probably more than they they deserve through just you know their their student aid and all the relationships and all the the perks of being a college athlete.
0: Now I wanted to switch gears real quick and and ask you about recruiting and maybe you're not the right person to ask cuz you cuz you're you know you're running this operation yeah. that, that that's central to it but myself personally maybe it's just cuz i'm getting older but i, I find myself less interested yeah. in recruiting and i think a lot of that has to do with signing day is is insignificant now yeah. we we got the 2 and it seems like 85 90% of the class is already put together mm-hmm. come signing day is that an issue in your mind or is there anything that for sure that you, if you could change things, would you change it?
1: I I mean, I've heard some things about like, you know, recruiting windows and periods of time and stuff that need to be changed. But no, I, I I don't, I cover what we cover. Like I don't, I don't, we don't, I don't need recruiting to be sensationalized or popular like it was 20 years ago, um, to, to run a successful business or nor do we, we want that. First of all, um, I think there's two things that have attributed to that. The first is the data and the accuracy of the scouting has really improved. 65% of the kids that are five stars get drafted. They're 14.2 times more likely to get drafted than a three star. And so the data says, the data pretty much empirically says that if you are a highly ranked blue chip, you are worthy of that. Now, there are some exceptions and there's some attitudes, but the industry... That we've created along the way has is doing a great job. And I'll tell you why it's doing a great job. And this fans don't get this. And we have the best scout in the industry I've ever worked with in 30 years in Charles Power. And I'm not diminishing Charles. He's the best. He's the best. He is Michael Jordan of scouting. The next best person is here. And he runs our scouting operations. But the reason scouting is better is because schools are better. Schools have more money, more data, more science, more relationships, all the things. We are a repository of that information. We talk to every defensive back coach. And if 10 defensive back coach say XYZ is the best corner, he's our number one.
0: Mm-hmm. We look
1: at it for validation, but that's not the real deal. The real deal is the schools. So that's that's you know, that's that's a that's a really big, big piece in this. The second thing is is the expectation for the OI states, the Georgias, the Alabamas, Clemson, for a period of time, is that while well, we do sign five stars and four stars, so what's another one? Mm-hmm. And so fans have been spoiled to the fact that we're going to get four or five stars a year, and it's been happening,
0: and it's true. Mm-hmm. Do you have do you, how often does someone call you? I know you're not the one sitting here. This guy's a four. This guy's a five. But do people call you and say, "What the hell? Why, why do you got?" Player X as a 4 he should he should be a 5 or this, he's a 3 star what the hell he, this guy's clearly we, a 4 we
1: we we've heard it all the big <laughs> the, the biggest thing is the head coaches now and the assistant coaches calling about the NIL valuations mm-hmm. and you know that's the big one you know because the the I'm not going to name his name but the best I think the best most talented in a quarterback college player last year walked in and said hey here's my valuation and I want this amount of money Mm-hmm. And so we're we're dealing with that. But we're you know, we we are we have an open dialogue with the schools, the collectives, and the athletes. We are in no means trying to do anything but create an efficient marketplace and accurately communicate value to both parties. And I think we've done a good job of that. Our you know, the the average SEC uh um roster value which would be the collective driven side so it takes out social influence i got six tiktok followers and all Mm -hmm. the things it's twenty thousand dollars you know but if you listen to you know if you listen to the rhetoric it's like oh it's like every sec player is making hundreds of thousands it's not the case right you know there are a few outliers what do you think arch manning's value is really worth if arch manning hires a team of of marketing pros and starts calling national brands, he gets a deal. Mm-hmm. Ronnie James, we value him at seven point two million using all the data and science. And I go to our data science team and I go, we all know his numbers gotta be double digits. <laughs> it's way more than that. Right. But but the numbers are good. The numbers are accurate. These athletes have a lot of value. I think that whole college football marketplace is about two hundred and fifty million right now. Uh, which is the bulk of the place. I think NIL in general is probably no more than a third of a billion dollars. It's not a billion dollars like it's been reported. But it will grow 20%, 40% a year for a long time.
0: And you think NIL and, and transfer portal on all this is good for the game? I th- I've, heard, I've heard you talk about it. It, it kind of spreads the talent a little bit more.
1: So the school can keep the players they want to keep mm-hmm. by playing them and by uh, developing them. Uh, and, and by, you know, building great NIL programs around them and then the other kids maybe need to look at other opportunities. Um, so I really, and I'm not trying to be the guy that's a Pollyanna here, but I really believe that because of transfer portal and because of NIL, um, and just general awareness and such, I think college football Now, not college basketball, because there's this whole NBA issue. College football is in the best position it's been in years. And I do believe that where we've had one or two-team parity, like over the past decade, it was like Alabama and someone else. Mm -hmm. I think this next 10 years, we're going to see that number, you know, get closer to five or six. Now, how does it get to what everybody really wants? You know, like, you know, 10 or 12, 10 or 20 schools. That's gonna take more investment and in a lot of things, but we're going to see more parity in the future.
0: Well, I know everyone was concerned. You know, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, they would not only get the best recruits, but the best transfers. And and to an extent yep. that it's, you know, they cherry pick who they like, but I think it has really helped teams like Tennessee, LSU. Look at what Tennessee's doing.
1: Where's Tennessee without NIL? Josh Hypo is a brilliant offensive mind. Spire is arguably the best collective in the space um tennessee fan base support is i don't even know how you rate it it's all the things yeah without nil without transfer portal without all those 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 apparatus i don't i don't think hypo has them and they're going to be you know they may lose more games this year they're going to be really good this year yeah and 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 make no mistake about it nil's is a massive player in that
0: But considering it's so new, could you also look at like an A and M and say they just messed it. They went sideways on them. So so A
1: and M has the best collective opportunity through the twelfth man of anyone. Their structure is was a decade ahead of uh, of everyone. A and M's problem is while Jimbo Fisher is a phenomenal, old school football mind coach, he is not a good CEO head coach. So A and M may get me in trouble here. He's not, not at all. The difference between the way a Nick Saban, Kirby Smart runs an organization versus a Jimbo Fisher are stratospheres apart. So now we go out and we go pay all these players through the 12th Man Foundation. We get these players in the in the school legally, all and up and up. Should have should have said we're doing what we're supposed to do here. Right? You know they're in a culture. They're they're first of all they're young people. Got you know good deals, and they're just not in a good culture, and it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And so you got to have a great culture. You got to have great leadership, great players at the root. Uh, it needs to be a meritocracy around roster value, you know, where the bulk of the money. And listen, all the schools and all the coaches are going that direction. So, incoming freshmen, as I said, we project fourteen percent of NIL going into this season. I bet that number, I bet that number two years is single digits and, and the beauty of it is, and I don't think people have thought about this that much, is that NIL and transfer portal are kind of counterbalances in a way, because you can't have, you can't have roster continuity and roster security if you didn't have, if without transfer portal being there, because Mm -hmm. if transfer portal wasn't there, you'd be paying all these recruits all this money and saying, roster, don't worry about it. You can't go anywhere. <laughs> but now roster can leave. Right. So you got to take care of roster. So it's so I, and the NCAA had no clue thought this through. But the reality is transfer portal sitting here, NIL sitting here, is the ultimate counterbalance to college sports. We are in a great state. And when I sit there and I listen to that hearing yesterday, sorry for my diatribe here, and I'm like, we can't let – one event with Jason Rashada, you know, and, and these anonymous sources at schools that are irrelevant mm-hmm. change the fact that we actually, for the first time, are starting toward an efficient marketplace that could lead to parity. That's the irony to it. Mm-hmm. But there, but you know why the cry is loud? NCAA doesn't want to give that money
0: up. Right now, everything you're doing is it. Do you think it'll help? Uh, kind of prevent these middlemen in NIL from, from doing all these shenanigans? Yeah. That's what we want to do. We just,
1: we, we want to bring education to everyone. We're not trying to charge the athlete for anything. We just want you to be aware. Like if you're an athlete and you're leveraging schools, you should, you're an idiot. Like you're done. Like, you know, you're, if you're an athlete, your, your time at the university and your time as a potential pro is a, just a snapshot you have to be playing chess, not checkers here. Mm-hmm. And I think because it's real practical money now, it's not this textbook. I think families and athletes through financial literacy will literally age a generation. So they're going to go to a tax class. They're going to go to a legal class. They're going to listen because <laughs> I'm about to sign a deal for $5,000. I want to know. So it's beautiful. That's, that's, you know, it's it's awesome. It's where we should have been 10 years ago.
0: Well, speaking of the future, I wanted to ask you too, uh, Texas and Oklahoma coming into the SEC, mm-hmm. what does that do to the SEC? What does that do to college landscape, do you think?
1: Well, it just gets us closer to one or two power conferences yeah. in, in, in my mind. I mean, you know, and I think SEC, I don't think Texas A&M and Oklahoma and Texas. And so we're getting to that point, obviously, where there's one or two or three conferences that... You know, make up, you know, the haves and the haves not. So, right. to me, that's that's what it is. And good for the SEC. And if I'm the Big Ten, you know, I'm doing everything I can to kind of get some of those West Coast schools in Notre Dame. So, mm-hmm.
0: all right, final thing for you, Shannon. Yeah. I really appreciate uh, all your time. I've been asking everybody that comes in here that, uh, you know, we got media days coming up here in Nashville, yep. first time ever. Um, any Anything you're hearing, they're going to do anything unique, or, or if not, what should they do, do you think, to to get the most out of Nashville at a, at an event like SEC Media Days? Because I mean, when this town sets sets to do something, I mean, they crush it. Yeah, I mean, it'll it'll be all the things, you know. <laughs> like,
1: I mean, it's it's a beautiful place to hold to hold a party, and you know, I I quit going to SEC Media Days about seven eight years ago. And it's a hell of a boondoggle. So, like, <laughs> you know, I don't know who we'll be sending here. I'm sure there will be some people that, like, will, will eke over here. But it's a great event. And um, it's a great opportunity. You know, the the media has been a phenomenal, phenomenal fixture in SEC sports over the years and, and played a, a key role. And I'm I'm thankful to be a part of it. And it's a transitioning now. It's transitioning from the guys of – you know, the old school editorial people to guys like you and, and, you know, and that's okay. You know, there's, there's, there's a seat at the table for everybody.
0: Yeah. I was surprised they let us in last year's hopefully they let us in this upcoming year. They better.
1: (laughs) You need to kill them on Twitter.